All right. He- hello, Flomies. This is Fepa Vanderbeer in uh, Plano, Texas, and I'm having a discussion with Luis Martinez. And I did a little bit of uh, searching around on your squeaky clean Facebook profile. You are in <laughs> you're in uh, West Covina, California, right? I'm uh, border West Covina and uh, another little town called La Puente. Okay. Well, I figured we could start off by you telling us a little bit about um, where you live and how you started your business and, you know, a little bit more about yourself. Um, it's going to be super informal, just more of a discussion. We met at the uh, IWCA convention in Savannah, Georgia, and we're all off on different schedules, trying to go to different classes and seeing different um, vendor booths. And so I was like, man, uh, this discussion started forming in the in the flow group on just interviewing people and just having discussions and sharing uh content with other people and so i thought hey maybe it'd be fun to chat with Luis, see what he says i get to know him a little bit more so tell us a little about yourself cool 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 well thank you for having me i i appreciate it uh, a little bit about myself i basically started a maid service that's really how i got started And it kind of happened a little bit on accident. Um, I was actually trying to start another uh, clothing line uh, where I wanted to license a local artist's art and put it onto uh, some shirts and sell it and basically promote their art. But at the same time, you know, uh, make a little bit of money. That was really what I wanted to do. And I actually kind of want to do that in the near future. Um, At the same time that I started that maid service, I actually co-founded an open mic where we wanted to give a platform to uh, local artists, such as like poetry, you know, they want to share their music. Um, I'm pretty big on, on poetry. That's actually uh, one of my biggest hobbies. Um, so one of my friends reached out, he's like, Hey Luis, I know you, you've been trying to get that clothing line going. How about we start a business, make some cash and build capital. Then you could go ahead and do whatever you'd like with that. Now I was like, you know what? That's actually a great idea. Uh, we were actually all salesmen. So you know, I knew that they weren't going to be shy when it came down to, you know, going out and, and finding some work. We used to do door-to-door, door-to-door sales together. So I was like, okay, you know, let's go ahead and do something. We Googled what's a good business to start if you don't have any money and uh, cleaning came up. <laughs> so we actually took off uh, with the cleaning maid service. Um, we actually would walk in. We didn't know none of us had owned a business. Uh, so we would actually walk in, uh, dress formal with uh, with ties and everything into every estimate. <laughs> the customers would be like, hey, Luis, like, you know what? You guys are the best dressed ever. And that's why I went with you guys. Um, we didn't know any better. We just knew we had to make an impression. And then, uh, you know, using our sales technique, uh, we would make sure we would secure the customer. And that's how we kind of took off. Um, it didn't take very long. I mean, it was, it was myself and three others. It didn't take very long, you know, for two of them to show their way out. They just, you know, weren't really feeling it. Um, they left on good terms, fortunately. And it was just myself and one other person. And sure enough, people started asking me like, Hey, you know, do you guys want to clean my windows? And we're like, no, nah, we don't, we don't know how to do that. You know, that's not really our thing. I mean, we could take care of your shower glass, you know, that's what we knew how to clean. And they're like, well, it's basically the same thing, you know, and I'll give you 150 for it. And I'm like, oh, okay, like I charge 120 for this whole job. I'll go ahead and I'll do your windows. And uh, I was so naive to it, you know, which is kind of like a, probably like one of my biggest strengths, I realized, because I think you do have to be naive uh, when you start a business uh, to think that it just might work, you know, because if you focus on statistics, you realize like, you know what, the majority of businesses actually fail. Um so I went ahead and I treated it like I was washing uh, shower glass. I didn't know any better. Went to Home Depot, you know, bought a 12-inch Unger squeegee. Um, I would actually put a uh, barkeeper's friend on every single window <laughs> with the blue non-scratch pad because I didn't know any better, you know? <laughs> um, and then after I started watching, like, uh, Keith Kalfas on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, this is how you clean a window. This is how I started my business with no money. And I was like, hey, you know what? This guy's kind of a... He's singing my tune, so let me go ahead and check him out. And that's kind of what I what I uh, used as a platform. I actually bought, you know, his his course for like thirty bucks, and I started and I read the whole book, and I actually still have it on one of these files. And I was like, okay, cool. So I don't need to use Barkeeper's Friend on every single window, you know. Um, 
And yeah, and then after that, I, I started going on, on YouTube. I started networking with uh, local window cleaners, which has been probably like the biggest blessing for sure. Uh, one of the guys that I met, you know, he'd be someone most people would call a bucket bot, you know, but being the kind of that he is, he's like, you know what, let me go to one of your jobs. I won't charge you and I'll kind of show you the ropes. And I was like, cool. I actually had never even been on a ladder at that time. Uh, so we went ahead and uh, he showed me, he's like, you're scared to get on the ladder. And I was like, yeah, a little bit, you know. And then he's like, let me show you how it's done. You know, this guy's like 300 some pounds and he wasn't scared to do it. And I was like, you know what? This guy's willing to do it. I have no excuse. And uh, yeah, just, you know, started picking up a little bit here and there um, off what people would, would, uh, would recommend to me. Like, hey, you know, I go to J Racing Team for my supplies. And then I started going to J Racing Team and they're like, hey, there's an open house and we have, you know, some classes. And I was like, cool, let me go ahead and do that. That's actually where I met uh, some really cool people. Fernando Medina from uh, Pro Windows. Uh, was one of the people, uh, Alexis and uh, his wife out in uh, San Diego, um, a better view San Diego. Um, Dan from Dance Fantastic Windows, uh, he's out in Santa Barbara. Those were, you know, the, the base of people that I relied on for, for all these questions um, that had to do with the industry. And they're actually the ones that recommended IWCA and, you know, and then some, some of the people I got to meet online, like uh, Gabe. Uh, out in Texas, Arizona, uh, one of the admins for uh, Into the Flow. So about how long ago was this when, you know, when you started your business? So your business, you've been in business now for? Uh, I started in 2015. Okay. Uh, it was a partnership. Um, probably within the year, I bought out uh, my business partner for a thousand bucks. Uh, and I kind of had my own idea of what I wanted to do with it. I know that we were doing really well with Yelp. I know a lot of people hate it, but actually, you know, Yelp was bringing over 100K on its own per year. So I, I just had my own ideas. I knew that whatever we were doing wasn't working, and I knew that I didn't want to do maid service anymore. You know, like that had ran, ran its course. Um, and then in 2016, I became a sole prop, and I have been since, and hopefully soon uh, an LLC. So we we actually started our business in 2015 also. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Well, 20, yeah, it's been about five years. Okay. It's very, a very similar. Actually, you're coming at it from like you started from scratch and, and you were, you kind of were following the signs towards uh, that, towards window cleaning. We, I actually had a career with uh the city of dallas water utilities i was already working there i was uh waiting tables to make ends meet and it was it just wasn't working out and so uh we just i kept hearing great stories from my dad about how awesome window cleaning was how much money he was making he's always telling me that all right uh, and then i tried to i tried to get a job with a private firm private environmental firm it's environmental health and safety and then all of a sudden, uh, it just it just didn't work out with this company, and uh, so I basically got laid off. And fortunately, I was tinkering with the window cleaning at the same time. Okay. And, and I had my wife and Sarah. She's brilliant. She's like, "Yeah, let's go ahead and yeah. get, let's try it out." And so she she plugged us in through Nextdoor and Yelp. Wow. Okay. So you you all use Yelp, and we use Yelp and Nextdoor, and your, those reviews help to get us get the word out in the neighborhood. But, um, but I remember being pretty scared in the beginning. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's scary, man. I had no idea that, you know, I could support the family with this business and, um, and do so better than I was when I was working two jobs. So, um, but I didn't have a partner at the time aside from my wife, Sarah, I didn't have uh, another, you know, independent, a partner going right. in. But I right. can imagine you walking around with with a suit and tie. I mean, yeah. I don't think you get away with that in Texas because Texas is <laughs> freaking hot um, and humid. I mean, what's the what's the weather like up in California? Are y'all in that area where it's like pretty much seventies the whole time? No, 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 no. We were, we were like high eighties. We we're in the middle of a drought. I mean, this is like oh. it was red flags. There was you know these crazy California fires at the time. We were just idiots. Yeah. Oh, I'm imagining you with like wiping the sweat off and you know you know we got that sweaty, sweaty armpits and everything yeah no that was happening so 
you're, you said you're interested in poetry and I imagine that might be why you're also into the Beatles or did you start off with the Beatles and then kind of branch into poetry from there? Like, you know I, what, actually I, I, I began to understand music through poetry first. Um, I kind of liked the beat, you know, and it was a little old school. I always thought it was really cool, you know, to, to be that person that listens to older music. <laughs> so it's, it's not just the Beatles. Like I love everything, you know, I mean, even like Loretta Lynn, you know, a little bit of country, just that really old stuff, you know, Johnny Cash too. And once I started getting into poetry, which is kind of like, um, you know, in the beginning of high school, that's when I really absorbed it all in, you know, then, I, then after I was like, okay, cool. You know, you know what, because I like poetry, I also like the doors. And then, you know, because it's really soulful, I, I also like Janis Joplin, you know, and, you know, and so forth. Yeah. That's kind of like, like well, yeah. um, it's interesting because my kids, they really were not interested in in music and now as they've started entering into the preteen teenager stage they're starting to discover this stuff and it's pretty interesting to watch um them kind of their minds opening up to the same stuff that i used to yeah that's amazing proud dad moment yeah well i try I, <laughs> but anyway i i also i'm a big fan of the beatles uh stevie ray vaughn um oh. I've got a bunch of, I, you know, I have gotten so into podcasts lately. I probably need to get back into music, but, um, but I really, my day is, has been so improved with, with music. I, I think I've been allowing myself to listen to the news a little bit too much lately when I'm working. And that's just like, it hasn't been very uplifting. Um, oh. but so California, West, West Covina, California, what do you enjoy doing there? Um, I, I saw y'all had like, y'all have some mountains just to the, just to the east of you, right? Just a yeah, little east, but you're... Not, not too far away. We have Mount Baldy, uh, which is, you know, pretty popular around here. People go out there, go do a little bit of skiing. About an hour out, you know, we have a big bear about, you know, 30, 40 minutes in any direction, south, uh, southwest, uh, pretty much you'll hit up all the beaches. So I'm pretty fortunate. I'm right in smack in the middle of everything, you know, and uh, because we do have the mount, the mountains nearby, we don't really get that super dry heat like uh, the rest of California usually does. So it's, it's pretty pleasant all year round. I could tell definitely I'm blessed. And that's actually a great thing because, you know, we're, we're in this valley where, you know, we get great weather all year round. So even in winter, you know, we're, we're cleaning windows. I mean, I'm talking you know, Christmas Eve, you know, people are willing to pay big money for, for you to come out and, and take care of some windows and pressure washing. So I am pretty blessed in that, in that aspect, you know. We have, we do have a longer season than our, our neighbor, our folks up in the Northeast or whatever, in the right. Northwest, Northeast, the Central area. But, but te the summers are pretty unbearable. Like, oh, really? it's we are in all out survival mode like when you wake up in the morning it's already in the 90s you know mid 90s and it's just humid and i think i've been learning the hard way over the last two or three years probably since i started the business here that i've been exposing myself to heat stress on a regular basis i just didn't know what it was <laughs> i yeah. was like it's okay as long as i drink water and that's not true you actually have to a cool also yep. and so i kind of wish i had started I, I wish that i could have that weather that y'all have because for me i mean i'm already a pretty skinny dude <laughs> by, by the time the summer's over i'm like i look like an emaciated you know person but it's it's um i've, I've always been jealous of california i know that y'all have to deal with some stricter regulations though uh with regard to business <laughs> Stricter regulations, uh, pay more in taxes. Um, anything that has to do with cleaning has the highest claims um, as far as insurance goes, you know, employees getting hurt and whatnot. So, I mean, we're, we're paying top dollar for insurance out here too. Yeah. So there is that, but at the same time, you know, people are willing to pay, at least what I've heard from other people around the country. They're like, you charge that much for, for window cleaning? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty standard around here, you know. Or how, you charge this much for that? I'm like, yeah, you know, because I'm, I'm pretty diverse as far as the services that I offer, you know, so we'll do like flooring too, you know, and people are telling me like, oh, or I used to do carpet cleaning for a little bit too. They're like, you charge this much for carpet cleaning? And that's, that's really standard around here, you know? 
and you know people are surprised i'm like no, I'm, I'm not even charging top dollar either at the time i wasn't at least yeah yeah so when you started your business you started with you were doing shower glass i mean that's what you knew how to do then you branched off to window cleaning but i've i've had phone calls with you over a facebook messenger and you've helped me out a few times um i was standing on a roof uh, trying to clean it for the first time uh, i'm just dabbling with the soft washing stuff and you were uh kind of coaching me and i really appreciate that yeah uh, you're welcome, glad i could help so you do soft washing you do window cleaning yeah, so because i'm able to communicate really well with people in the industry uh naturally you know i i've i've uh, taken on um this industry whether it's window cleaning pressure washing soft washing I've become engulfed in it. And as a result, I've been able to, you know, get rid of services. Like I definitely know I don't want to do carpet cleaning. Um, I know that I, I don't really want to focus on flooring, like, you know, polishing marble, travertine and all that, which I do currently offer still. Uh, the support system that I have in this industry is phenomenal. You know, uh, hats off to Into the Flow that thanks to them, you know, they were able to get me uh, a paid uh, a paid uh, year with, you uh, IWCA. So because I feel that support, I now know, okay, you know what, I'm going to go all in on this. Um, I want to throw Doug in there too, who's been a huge uh, help and mentor as well too. And I actually got into soft washing not long ago, probably like last summer. So, you know, I'm, I'm not that, that, uh, that much ahead of you. Uh, I just had used that exact same system that you're working with. So I kind of knew a little bit of, of kind of some of the issues that you were dealing with. Um, but I'm, I'm relatively new to all of this, you know, whether it be power washing, soft washing, even window cleaning. Like, I mean, I was cleaning windows, but I am soft taught. I, I, God, I wish that I worked for a company for so long. So the best, next best thing that I've been doing is working for free for people, you know, Hey, let me come work with you for a day or two. And, you know, I'll buy you guys lunch. So, um, that's something that I'm trying to do to catch up because I don't have that background, you know? So I'm, I'm, very new to all of this. I still consider myself new, probably will for the next couple of years, you know, considering some of these people that worked in the business 10, 15 years, then started their own business. Yeah. So. But you've been doing post-construction cleaning as well. Um, you're, you're doing the whole, you offer the whole package to, to a lot of your clients. Like when people need to make their house ready to, you know, after construction, you're right. in there vacuuming, you're, cleaning up the walls, cleaning the dust. Like for us, the extent of our construction clean is the glass. That's it. Uh, we've thought about doing um, what you do where you charge per square foot and you're like making the whole house beautiful for, for sale. Um, I've always been curious about that. Just haven't <laughs> had the opportunity to do that. Right, right, right. It's kind of a new area for us. And we've been, we've been staying busy enough with, what we're currently doing that I haven't really had that amount of time to step into that other area. So yeah. Um, one thing that I do encourage people as somebody that's tried a lot of different industries is try it out. You know, uh, I always start with the customers that I trust the best. Like, Hey, you know what? Like, even if I do it for free, you know, like, let me wash your windows downstairs for free. You know, like I just want to get some practice, you know, they're usually not going to say no. Um, I actually started with construction cleaning because we would cold call, realtors, you know, um, insurance companies, like, hey, you know, what? we're a new company, we offer these services, let us know we could be a help. And sure enough, you know, these insurance companies um, that were basically, you know, somebody had a flood, they just finished construction, and they needed somebody to come in, they would start contacting us. Now, the interesting about the interesting thing about that is that they don't just need like, I need you to, you know, pick up the dust and mop the floors. It's like, hey, I need the windows clean. I need the floors polished. I need the carpets clean because I need it to look, you know, good for the customer that, that you know, is, is paying for their insurance. So because of that, I was able I was able to, like, smooth into a bunch of different industries. And that's actually the pretty much the only reason why I started doing so many things is because it's kind of what was required of it. Um, also, a friend of mine was really pushing me to get into movie set cleaning. Um, he, his best friend does like all these big Hollywood movies and he's getting paid a ton of money for it. You know, like after Transformers is done filming in downtown LA, you got to come in and clean it up and you have to leave it exactly the way, you know, it was before and those companies make a lot of money, but he's like, Hey, you have to learn this, this, and this. And that's kind of like, you know, what set the light bulb, uh, for me to start learning all these different things. 
Um, if you are going to get into construction cleaning, because I've actually been asked quite a few times uh, from people in the window cleaning industry, is definitely try it. You know, you don't have to say, hey, I'm going to polish your floors. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Start with something simple as most people uh, prefer anyways, which is like, hey, you know, there's a lot of dust. Uh, go ahead and, you know, you just mop up the floors, wipe down the surfaces, get educated on what surfaces you're working with. You know, if you're working with natural stones, don't be using any acids to clean, you know, because it's going to react. If you're working with hard floor, hardwood floor, you know, making sure you're not using strong chemicals, high in alkalinity that are going to damage, you know, whatever finish it has. Little things like that. Um, you just, you know, really focus on the do nots. And that goes a really long way. And, that, and that's definitely what's helped me out the, the most. So. so do you have any horror stories? Uh, did you make any mistakes the hard way? Um, it sounds like you did your research beforehand, but I'm curious to see if you just went right into it. You didn't, you didn't just go into it. You actually did some research first, but I, I'm, I'm feeling like there probably is a horror story in there somewhere, right? There's, there's quite a few. You know, it's funny that I've been so blessed for the ones that were my mistake. Rule number one about sales that they taught me was make them your friend. You know, you're not going to get the sale if you don't make them your friend. And I'm, I'm very genuine when I talk to people. So I think that goes a really long way that the worst ones that we ever messed up, I mean, I remember the first window that I charged for, I, there was oxidized vinyl, you know, and a second story at the time, I'm still scared to get on, uh, on ladders, you know, as I mentioned earlier. So I go to Home Depot, I buy, <laughs> I buy this extension pole, the whole glass was covered in white streaks, you know, but I was so nice to the customer, you know, respected each other so well. She paid me half still, even though I refused, she still paid me half. And she didn't write a bad rap, uh, uh, yeah. which yeah. has been the case probably about five or six times where the customer's like, look, I don't want to hurt your business because you're a really hard worker and you were really nice to us. You know, and of course, they're, you know, they're a little mad. And so is the husband, especially the husband. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, because I made him my friend and I treated him with a lot of respect, um, you know, I, I was I was pretty I, I think I got all let off pretty easy, you know. So. Yeah. If you're not I find that if you're not taking things defensively or uh, as an insult and right. you are legitimately willing to make it right and they can, they can feel that sincerity, then most of the times you can get away with a lot of things. I mean, I've accidentally broken storm window panes before. Right. Um, and that's just something that, you know, you can have something leaning against a, a stepladder in, in such a way that the wind just, the wind just blows it over. Or, you know, some of these storm windows are just ready to break when you take them out. But as long as you're saying, you know what, I'm going to get this fixed. I know a guy, blah, blah, blah. Um, usually, usually it works out pretty well. But if you take it the other way and you start to argue, you know, that's just the worst. That's just the worst thing that you can do. Um, this coming week, actually, we've got to deal with a potentially clogged gutter. Uh, you know, we just say, you, you know, we'll take a look at it. It, it shouldn't be overflowing. We just, we were just there a couple of weeks ago. I'll talk to my guys, see what happens. But sometimes it could be just a leak or a, a repair that needs to be made, which is not something that we do. We just clean. The right. So, but I'm curious to know a little bit more about your sales experience. So what class did you take? Where did you learn your, where, where did you pick up that skill? Uh, just doing door to door. I encourage a lot of my friends to try door-to-door -door sales, especially if you're really shy. Uh -huh. um, I kind of was, I was like in this, you know, weird gray area in my life uh, where I was flat broke. I had just dropped out of school. I couldn't afford it. I was out drinking with friends all the time, you know, doing pretty much nothing positive for my life. And I tried out door-to-door -door sales because I just needed money to, to, to pay my car. And even during the interview, I was like, look, I don't care how much you guys pay. I need to make $500 by this Friday. You know, and that's not going to happen. I'm not going to work here. Like I was just in desperate mode, you know, and the guy goes, you got to be a good salesman. You know, you got to do, you know, close to sales and I'll help you get that. And I was like, cool, done. You know, and sure enough, uh, my second day at work, I was able to close uh, $500 worth of sales, but it, it really, you really do have to put yourself out there in order for you to close sales doing door to door um you you do lose you know because like some people were asking for water like oh do you have some water sorry it's really hot and for me i'm like i would never ask anybody for water you know some random person that i just knocked the door 
And then you, by the end of it, you know, I'm asking people like, oh, you guys are having barbecue? Do you mind if I get some, some tacos? <laughs> and it wasn't really about asking the food. It was really about putting myself out there, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we would do warm-up exercises where we would be out in public uh, right before we started knocking. You know, we're at a, at a restaurant or something picking up food real quick. And you just start talking to random people. And you knew that if you can have that person's attention, that day was going to be a good day. Like, I remember this one time, you know, this guy was on the phone. He was wearing ripped jeans, you know, looked like that expensive, that expensive kind. So I was like, oh, excuse me, sir. Those are really nice pants. And he's like, yeah, buddy, whatever. I was like, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to bug you. It's my brother's birthday next week, and I'm trying to get him some. I mean, you know, clearly I'm not the best dressed, but I could tell you got good taste, you know. And he's like, hold on, let me call you back right now. He hangs up his phone and he gives me the time of day, you know. Uh, and then I go out there and I, and I close two sales that day. And nice. one of the biggest things that I, that I took away from door-to-door sales uh, was just really putting yourself out there, you know. And, and you get to learn to read people. I mean, you do talk to some, you know, during the summer, you're talking to 150 people, 200 people per day. Man. You're knocking a door, not interested, okay, whatever. You know, you go and knock on the next one and, and, and it works because I do a lot of doing construction cleaning. You do a lot of estimates in person and definitely there's a wall there, you know, and you, and you learn, okay, what can I do to make sure that this person's going to break their wall? You know, how can I be their friend? Like, you know what? That was a really cute decoration. Where, where can I get something like that? Cause it's mother's day, you know, next week. And I'm just trying to impress my mom and that looks like something she likes. Oh, you know, you mean my flowers, you know, my vase, da, 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 da. and then they go on. And, and sure enough, you know, even though my, my price point's a little higher, they love me, they became my friend, and I'm able to close sales like that. So, so it sounds like you really, by putting yourself out there and by just sheer volume of knocking on doors and trial and error, you right. really get the sense of, okay, this person's give me, giving me the please go away body language. I, you know when do you know when to turn around and walk away? And when do you know that you've opened that person up enough to where you can actually make the sale? Like what are some of the cues that you look for? Um, one of the biggest things is how much they're willing to talk back to you. So right when I get there, I'm going to, I'm going to hit them with a couple of compliments, you know? And then I kind of, you know, I'm testing the water, see, see uh, what, what they kind of react to, um, you know, like, Oh, those are nice earrings. You know, I always go to the mom thing that kind of, Seems to be my way in, you know, and if it's a guy, I'll talk about, you know, sports or something like that. What My goal there is just to break down their wall. That's pretty much what I'm there for. Like, let me break down the wall. Sometimes people, you know, they're really inviting. They saw your reviews. Don't talk too much. You know, you're there to work and, and, and you're pretty much there to close the sale. They already, they're already interested in you. It's those people where there's a wall where they're, you know, they're getting four or five estimates from somebody. They don't really care about the price, you know. A lot of people think they're price shopping. They're just there to find somebody that they trust. And they'll let you know after you're done with the work, like, thank you, you know, the last person stole from us. You know, thank you, the last person, you know, we found that they were just wasting time. They cracked the window, never told us. You know, and you find these things, and they're really just trying to find somebody that they're going to trust, especially like, well, I happen to know my demographics really well, so I know that they're not price shopping. You know, a, a, a good amount of them are. They're just trying to find somebody that they're going to trust. You know, I'm, I'm hitting communities where the median income is 100K per household. Like these people they're and I think it's like 68, 69% are homeowners, if I'm not mistaken. So if I'm going to hit these areas, you know, they're looking for somebody that they're going to trust. Like the reputation is there. Let me come meet this person, you know, and, and sometimes their wall are so high, but they're so direct that they're like, yeah, I saw that bad Yelp review you had. What do you have to say for that? You know, and you give them an honest answer. Like, okay, I appreciate that. Most of them are good. That's fine. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's definitely one of those things that I, that I've noticed. So earlier you were talking about how you uh, you were in a part of your life just before this part, just before the sales part, where you felt like you were not heading in the right direction. You were uh, hanging out with friends and drinking. It sounds like some of that was productive because you were making some good friends and it sound, or you made some friends and you, you've got a good network. And it sounds like a lot of where of a lot of why you're where you're at right now is because of friends have pointed you in a variety of different directions, but how did you know, Hey, this isn't working for me. I got to change. I got to make a change and I need to do it soon. And I need to get, I need to go and make $500 worth of sales this week. How did you get to that point? Um, I was living in an apartment with my brother, 
my parents had moved out to Oregon uh, for like a year and a half, maybe a couple of years. And then things didn't go so well for them. So they moved back to California and they're like, Hey, you know, um, it didn't really go well for us. Is all right. We stay with you guys. We're like, yeah, of course you're our parents. Come on. So then they move back. And the first thing they say is, man, you got fat. (laughs) And, and it was true. All I was doing was drinking. I wasn't doing any sports or anything like that. I had quit MMA. I did that for, for a little bit. And, they're like, yeah, no, this is not the same Luis that, that uh, we remember. And, you know, sure enough, your parents give you that, that uh, you know, that mom and dad talk that that's really needed. Like, hey, you know what? You're really not doing anything with your life. <clears throat> Wait, um, you dropped out of school. You really don't have, a, like, a good sense of direction, you know? Like, at least work, you know? Fine, you don't want to go to school, that's fine. But at least work and, and be great at it. And that was definitely, like, a good starting point. The other thing that happened that I, I started associating myself with uh, very optimistic people, people that, that uh, you know, we're just trying to trying to take the next step in life. Um, I mean, I'm talking, I'm, I'm 22 at this time, you know, so a lot of people, it's not like they got their full career going for them. But uh, I started realizing what a mentor was. Mm. And one of those biggest ones, his name's uh, Samir. He's a really good friend of mine. He's older than me. He's like, what happened to the Luis from high school that wanted to be an engineer, this and that? I was like, well, you know what? Let me be an HVAC technician. He's like, why do you, there you go again. You know, you're being mediocre. Why do you want to be an attic monkey when you could be the person, you know, designing all these systems, you know? And I was like, you know what? You're right, dude. I, I am being mediocre. So I went back to school. I started going for uh, HVAC uh, engineer. Um, I was, you know, really motivated. And it was that different outlook in life of wanting something more that kind of triggered that, you know, entre- entrepreneur itch. And uh, yeah, ever since then, that's, that's kind of, uh, it's been, it's been non, it's been itchy, you know, and I feel like I haven't really quite scratched it yet. I was, um, you had shared a post recently. Uh, it was an office. It was, it showed uh, Michael Scott and, and uh, I think it was Dwight and it, it, they were in an office setting and they were, it looks like they were negotiating or something like that. And in that post you made, it said something about like in sales. And let me see, I, did, I, want, I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure that I asked you about it. Sure. Second. You said <clears throat> the only deals worth getting are the ones that you negotiate. And you're talking to someone who, who is not a big negotiator. I'm not a strong negotiator. I, I used to wait tables and I really, for some reason, the idea of pushing, pushing sales on people wasn't, it wasn't something I was comfortable with. I don't know why. Like I didn't, I didn't push wine or alcohol sales. I, I just, if it felt right, then I would present that part of the menu. I'm sure that I was not there. I'm sure I was not their favorite server. Um, mm-hmm. it, what, you know, things started changing a little bit, you know, obviously when I started becoming a parent, then I needed to make more money, but Tell us a little bit about that. The only deals worth getting are the ones that you negotiate. I'm curious to learn about that. Yeah, so early on, because we didn't really know what we were doing with the company, we were undercharging. I mean, we would have not one or two days. We would have several days where we're making like six, seven bucks an hour, you know, killing ourselves. And that actually, uh, this is a customer, a customer of mine. His name's Troy. He's a real estate agent. Uh, he does a lot of commercial uh, real estate. And what we would do, we would do maintenance on his warehouse. And in this warehouse, he had a bunch of luxury cars. I'm no car guy, so I can't tell you which cars they were, but they were really fancy, old looking, you know? And so we would just come in and maintain it. And then one day he finally let us clean his, his office. He's like, you know what, go ahead and clean it today. We're like, cool. Walk in there, start cleaning it. He has all this motivational stuff, really old, you know, um, cassettes from the 80s, motivational uh, speaker. I already forgot his name. And then he had uh, a phrase that was framed and it said, the only deal worth getting is the one you negotiate. And it, and I, it didn't hit me the first time. It was probably around the second or third time that I came into the office to clean it that I was like, wait, you know, cause you just read it and it's whatever, you know, live, laugh, love type of thing. Like, you know, you don't really think much of it, but um, I started talking to him and I was like, Hey dude, like I saw that, like that's actually, you know, really inspiring now that I think about it. He, and he, you know, he started telling me a little bit about his background, how he pretty much started reading a book on real estate and, you know, grew his fortune like massively as a result over time. And, but he pretty much started from rags to riches and I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know what? 
I got to do a lot better on my negotiating. It's clearly worked for him. You know, I'm, I'm over here charging $80 for a $150 job. And, you know, that's when I started learning about minimums. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to charge anything less than 120. Then after that, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to charge anything less than 150, like whether they want it or not. And it got to the point where, you know, we got uh, another customer of mine who is also a salesman. He rents out uh, like lifts and all that kind of stuff for, for that equipment for construction. He comes in, I give him a quote. And he's like, no, you know, I can't do 200. Can you do 180? And I was like, mm, I can't. The best I could do is 200. He's like, wow, are you really going to lose this deal over $20? And I was like, no, are you really going to not get this great, great service over $20? He's like, you know what? I respect that, you know? And it's always stuck with me. And, and whenever it comes to, you know, some tough negotiations with, with some customers, because sometimes, sometimes it is a tough negotiation. I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to stick to my guns and maybe it might not work out this time, but for the most part, it will. Yeah. yeah that it's, it's always stuck with me and I, and I'll, and I'll tell my guys to that. And I'll tell my dad whenever he's out trying to buy something, you know, hey, you can negotiate this thing, you know, and just stick to your guns. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's a little scary to sometimes stand your ground. And um, we, our prices are way different than they were when we started our business five years ago. And you're kind of like, why would anybody spend this kind of money on window cleaning? Like there's this like mindset of, scarcity mindset and so you really once you start to realize that um the the types of people that are trying to get the bargain basement prices they're they're never going to be quite as happy with your services as are the folks that are like this is your price i respect that i mean you've got a great great reputation come clean my windows and those tend to be the happiest um easy to please clients the ones that are not trying to get the best deal yeah it's, it's just a weird it's always been a counterintuitive thing for me I, but it, it works it, it really I've always been surprised I mean I'm the tickets just keep going up and you're just like wow how how does this keep happening but it's it's um I'm not even sure how to describe it, it, it sometimes it still blows me away but it's it's pretty interesting. I guess when you have to negotiate the sale, you really have to give more of yourself. You have to get to know your client. There's a back and forth going on. Right. Uh, you've had to work a little bit harder for that uh, sale versus something that's just kind of um, given to you. It's you're always going to take a little bit more away from the the ventures that you've had to work a little harder for. Oh, absolutely. I think also like one of the hardest things to understand when you're just starting off is realizing that that's not your customer. You know, you, you think you see money sign on every single person and it's really hard to understand that, that one, they're a price shopper and two, that they're not your customer. Like I, that was the biggest thing that I struggled with was no, no, no. I like, I need them, you know, and yeah. I need them. You know what? No, they're calling me because they need me. And that's really hard to comprehend in the beginning. And once, once you do realize that, and I think it's, that's what that quote helped me realize about now that I could put it into words is that, you know, realizing that they're just not my customer and yeah. that's really fine. That's a really good point. Um, because, you know, we were talking about this the other day and, you know, putting our, you know, making sure that we're not putting our own employees lives in danger or at risk. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're dealing with the whole COVID-19 coronavirus stuff. And I'm sure that you guys are in California. Um, but we were talking, Sarah and I were talking about it. It's like, well, you know, when should we start offering services inside? Yeah. You know, because we pivoted from offering in and out to just doing exterior. We were like, you know, uh, it's really not worth it to put our technicians at risk by putting them. And it's a two-way thing. It's, you know, our technicians as well as our clients because of the, the asymptomatic nature of right. the virus. And so, Sarah and I were talking, we were like, well, you know, when we're having to work with a client that is insisting on interior services, despite all the information that says, hey, you really probably shouldn't. Yeah. We just decided well, that really isn't our client. It's not, we want the kind of client that is going to understand that we're putting uh, their well-being uh we are thinking about their well-being in addition to the well-being of our technicians. We, you know, we want courteous, conscientious clients. 
a guy called us the other day says, Hey, can you fit in a window cleaning tomorrow? And back when I first started my business, I probably would have moved mountains to make sure that I did that window cleaning, even though it was on a weekend, you know, it would have been sacrifice. I would have sacrificed my time with my family. I'm like, you know, no, actually you didn't think about this. I didn't say it. I was thinking about it in my head. You decided to call me the day before we're booked, you know? And so I'm thinking, I want a client that's already thinking two or three weeks from now. I want that, that kind of, so you're right. We, it's a two way street. It takes a little while for, for new business owners to realize that you have as much to say about who you serve as, you know, as the reverse. And it's kind of like a, it's kind of a weird thing to realize, but once you realize it, it's very empowering. Definitely. Yeah. That's a, that's a great word right there. It's very empowering. That's for sure. So I had a couple of uh, two-part questions for you. Sure. If you could go back to the, if you could go back five years to 2015 and mentor yourself, what three lessons or what three things would you teach your, your, you said 22 years old? You said, how old were you? I started uh, 20, I started 22. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, I was 22 years old when I started. What would you tell your 22-year-old self? What three things would you tell that person? Number one, you don't need a business partner. Um, unfortunately, I have lost some really great friendships, and I mean great friendships, uh, to business. I now realize why that happened after like reading the e-myth you know, a few times. For those who have read it, um, you know, basically they were my Elizabeths. Uh, so definitely I don't need a business partner. And then uh, just to touch on that, Elizabeth basically is, you know, you hire somebody thinking that they're going to be your savior. Like, Oh, you know what? They know how to do the books. Oh, you know what? They, they have manager experience. I could just go and let them do their own thing. And they're going to basically save the company. And, you know, I was ignorant in, in that perspective by bringing a friend who had some experience in this and then brought another friend who has some experience in this. And unfortunately they, you know, they can't save my business for me for especially for work that I wasn't willing to do myself um so I did lose some friendships as a result and it and it really was just it was bound to happen you know it, it was in the beginning it's working out great everything's good you know and then we start getting a little more business we start getting a little bit busier and you start seeing all the holes in, in in your plot and you know then there's a lack of execution and there's issues and there's bickering and uh that's probably the the reason why I would say the number one thing is I don't need a business partner. You know, a lot of that is, is fear, especially if you're just starting a business, you feel like you need to partner up with somebody you need, you know, you need somebody to help. And it's, it's just a lot of work that I just didn't want to do on my own. Um, a lot of fear. And that's, that's the number one thing. Second thing I would say is get your systems down. Uh, I've been in business for five years and I'm just barely understanding why it's important. And I really wish that I knew that in the beginning. Same boat. Same boat. <laughs> That's comforting. And it and it sounds it sounds really selfish, right? But it is comforting to hear that other people have been in business for like five to ten years are just doing it. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not, you know, I'm not a complete wreck all on my own. <laughs> and then probably the third one is to manage your time. Um, I think you're probably a lot like me in the sense where you, you know, you just mentioned that customer that you're willing to squeeze them in. And I had done that probably up until barely last year is when I stopped doing that. And what that does, it, it creates a bunch of stress and then you don't have fun, you know, being at work anymore. And, you know, a blessing in disguise is, you know, there's a quarantine when I stopped having work. And now that I do have work, I have so much fun. Like, uh, I know, uh, kind of everybody's been doing their own little video on the no no look challenge on oh yeah i've been challenged i haven't done it yet <laughs> you got you got to get a video up there soon basically <laughs> that started for me just having fun you know i was out in a vacant home um i only had two window cleanings in uh all of was it march i think march i only had two window cleanings that was it i did it was a small little small little place it was just uh my buddy and myself um and it was a quick two-hour job, made it a four, got some lunch, you know, just had a lot of fun. We were recording ourselves just being goofy. And I, and I was like, man, I'd be really pissed if these were employees, you know. But at the same time, I realized I'm like, well, I'm not really creating the culture for this to be fun. Like, I'm causing a lot of stress for everybody. I'm overlooking. 
you know, I'm, I'm setting this unreali- unrealistic um, timeframes for my arrival for either work or estimates. And, you know, you don't know if there's going to be traffic. You don't know when customers are talker and you can't just leave them hanging because you're trying to close the deal. Yeah. So if I could go back, I wish that I did have a lot more fun um, doing what I was doing. It was really just kind of me pushing through and, and letting my pride take over. Like, no, 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 you can't fail in business. You know, you got to keep pushing, got to keep pushing. But I think if I realized how much fun on, uh, being a business owner is, because it is a lot of fun, it opens up a lot of doors, um, especially, you know, meeting all you guys from Into the Flow, um, the people from IWCA. Uh, hopefully I meet some people from the big convention. But that's really fun, you know, and I feel like if I had realized that earlier, my business would be a lot further now. Yeah, I think that the um, that at some point when you when you create your business, in the beginning, you're not dealing with a uh, necessarily a high volume of work right away, but as your as your name gets out there and spreads through Nextdoor and Yelp, and you start getting more and more phone calls, mm-hmm. you absolutely start to realize that you can't handle all those phone calls anymore. You can't handle the volume of work, and that's where the systems start to become more and more important. Um, and I've realized that you know i'm no i'm not really enjoying window cleaning i've gotten to that point too where it's like uh i've been working so physically hard over the last five years that uh it's really taking a lot it's taking a physical toll and so learning how to learning how to be realistic with with the physical um nature of this job is important and you know just like you were alluding to, if you if you've got clients that are calling and wanting last minute work, not only is it good for your it's not it's not good for your psyche and your well being, but it's it creates a, a more um, it affects the morale of your team as well. When you're calling them last minute and you're saying, hey, I get I just got a client that needs their work tomorrow, you know, you want to look. You're almost like now a caregiver of the morale of your team because right. you're recognizing that if they don't have a good morale it's going to show up oh for sure clients are going to notice it the work is going to start to suffer and as an owner sometimes you don't realize you cross that line until it's too late but um so the other part of that yeah when you write when you start talking a little bit more about how you can make your business more fun i i, I may want to call you back and ask you more about that too because i'm i haven't figured it out yet <laughs> um but so the other part of that question is if you could go, if you had a mentor, if, if you could go five years into the future and talk to your future self at, uh, let's see, 32, 32, what would you like that 32 year old self to teach you? What, what three things do you think that you need to know right now? Um, I'd say creating company culture. You know, that's something that I, I'm still constantly working on. Like one of the uh, successful things that I, because I try a bunch of different things. Like I, mm-hmm. I like, to, you know, what they enjoy doing. I'm, I'm very open-minded and I like to try new things. Like, oh, okay, you like to go shoot pool? I tell you what, you know, we kill it this week. We're, we're going to go out and shoot pool. You know, we'll go have fun. I'll buy I'll buy the beers, you know, get get some food. It's on me. We'll just go out and have some fun. Um, so if, if I can like successfully integrate like a good company culture, like, um, with, uh, Josh Josh Cronin from um, WCR. Uh, I listen to his podcast all the time. Yeah, I think he said that he did. It was you know he had a ping pong table. Everybody come in early, just hang out. You know, get and become friends, and it's a whole vibe. You know, and I wish that I could create that. Uh, that's not something that I've been able to you know successfully do. Um, so it's something I think creating like company culture would be probably one of the biggest things. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that I still don't know. Uh, you know, um, so I, I, I don't know too much more that I would ask future Luis uh, <laughs> that I knew now. Like, there's a lot of things that I just figured out that that I need to know. So I'm going to be working on that and just kind of seeing how, how that goes. Um, but I, that's one thing that I do wish, you know, like it, it, just being a better leader overall. Um, I think that I'm a very positive person. So that does kind of help out. But just, you know, kind of establishing where, you know, somebody wants to wake up and they want to go to work that day. And they feel that their life is just that little bit better because they, you know, they're going to come in and walk through that door and 
you know, they're going to be, they're going to have a little bit of money in their pocket, but not just the money, they're just going to have a great experience with me, you know? Yeah. I think that's what, what stood out about you when we were all talking about who we would like to interview for uh, these little, these little podcasts was, um, you know, you seem like a very positive person. Uh, you had just won. I didn't know you before learning that you won the the essay contest, or you were you were amongst a couple other people uh, that had submitted an essay. I can't remember how many submitted it, but you were among you were one of the few that um, uh, it allowed you to take a trip to uh, Savannah, Georgia, or go to the IWCA convention. So right. that was pretty cool. And so I was like, okay, he seems like a pretty uh, cool guy, uh, pretty upbeat and optimistic, which you you kind of almost need to have a certain level of optimism to absolutely and I think if you continue to work on your systems you're going to be able to create that space that will allow you to um, work on that culture that you've been wanting to work on you got to get Luis out of the field I'm in the same boat because I've been trying to get out of the field more so my team do the work so that I can work on the things that the business needs to work on um and you can't work on those things unless you're out of the field. Right. Uh, it's going to be hard for you to create that company culture if you're like engrossed in the, in the cleaning element of it. So for me, that's been my biggest challenge is I'm, I'm just not an organized person. Like you, I'm just, I'm a hardworking person. Don't get me wrong. I will work and work and work. My, my um, struggle is just, organizing my time so when i have a day off and my guys are working on their own i need the discipline to work on on the things that i ordinarily would not be working on because i'm no longer out of the field that's my problem right oh um i think let's see how long have we been talking i have no idea um so there was a, one other thing was, let's see. So what do you, I know you like soccer. What are some of the other things that help you to stay motivated and optimistic? Um, and what are some of your favorite things about being an entrepreneur? Um, some of the things that definitely helped me out was just being in sports overall. Mm-hmm. You get to see who's a good leader and you kind of want to, you know, you start leaning towards that person and that's kind of helped me associate with my, myself with, you know, people, that I feel are going to bring out the best in me, you know, whether it was, I did uh, cross country through all of high school many times ago. I did uh, soccer for pretty much my whole life. I did MMA for uh, going on 10 years now. So I did a lot of things, but you know, I always had great coaches. I always had great mentors and every single one of those things. And that's definitely helped me out a lot at making business decisions. I'm able to like, I, that's what I try to do, try to draw parallels, you know, like in, in past experiences, like, oh, you know, in sports, I did this. If I can apply that to business, you know, that's going to help out. Um, the things that I've enjoyed the most about being an entrepreneur is the fact that you do get to learn to think out of the box of certain things. You know, you do have, you know, unfortunately, you'll get that friend like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need some money, you know, and when you're an entrepreneur, you're like, I'm not going to let myself, you know, you know, sink and hit rock bottom. I'm going to go knock on some doors. I'm going to make sure that this gets done one way or another. You know, I'm not going to let this boat sink. You know, I'm I'm going to die trying if I need to. And the other thing that recently just happened is that I'm able to travel within the U.S. now. So I'm going to get a network with some really cool people. I get to, you know, travel. Like I was able to go to Savannah, Georgia. Um, I plan to go to the big convention and any other conventions that are happening, um, you know, between window cleaning and uh, car washing. So I think Florida has something. I think Texas has something here and there. So I get to travel the U.S. and network with some people, and that's kind of what I really look forward to. Like one of the biggest things that I was trying to do before Corona was uh, volunteer my work. Like, hey, guys, whoever wants to let me come over and open invites anybody who's listening, that if I can come work for you for a couple a couple of days, you know, we can set something up. Uh, I don't mind paying my own plane ticket. I'll pay for my hotel and I'll buy you guys lunch. Um, if, if we can make something happen, that'd be great because I actually take a, away a lot, you know, whether it's a day or two that I'm working for somebody uh, because I didn't, you know, I didn't uh, grow as like an employee in the industry. So I have a lot of catching up to do, I feel, you know, and, and for me to be a, a, a better leader, I have to like understand a lot of those basic fundamentals that unfortunately I never picked up. Yeah. 
I visited um, Chris Cartwright up in New Jersey, and I remember learning a lot from just uh, staying with him and Nadine and observing their business operations and meeting their crew and just, you know, stepping into their office. And uh, it really helps. Um, and that's, I guess, one of the more powerful things about these uh, conventions is your opportunity to network. Um, so maybe maybe at some point we could have you down in Texas, but I don't think you'd want to come in the summertime. Um, it's pretty bad in the summertime. But um, a good time because I'll, I'll make sure I get my, myself out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's exciting to watch, it, you know, um, it, it, I have met, and Sarah and I have met a lot of great people at, at every convention, and it was a, it was kind of scary allowing ourselves, giving ourselves permission to spend money on ourselves like that. Like, right. the first convention we went to was the big convention in, uh, in um, Louisiana, it was New Orleans, and oh, that's yeah. where we met Chris Cartwright and a couple other people. And it was scary to do, but then, you know, it was always, uh, do we spend the money on ourselves to do this? And then after that first experience, it was like, how could you not? Right. The money. We learned so many things. We met so many great people. Uh, it was almost like we recharged the battery that is the backbone of, you know, our business. We recharged that battery. We came back home invigorated with new ideas um, learning about new systems and that's been the most powerful thing. And so, you know, you can call it almost like a workcation, like a vacation, a little bit of work and vacation at the same time. But, uh, you know, that, that is one thing. Like if I could go back and tell myself, you know, five years ago, I would say, spend the money on yourself, go check out these conventions. I love that. And then, you know, because you're going to take away so much, you're going to learn so much, you're going to meet some great people, like we met you and several other great people at the IWCA. And um, the other thing is, if I could tell myself something, I would go back maybe 10 or 15 years, and I would have tried to start my business sooner, you know. Yeah, for sure. I can't imagine where I'd be today had I started right. yeah. or 10 years sooner. But, um, but um, hey, I think we've been talking for almost an hour. I don't know. But um, I wanted to thank you for, you know, giving us a little bit of your time and chatting with us about uh, who you are. And um, I'm excited to continue, you know, start writing down the things that you're doing to make this fun, because I think that's important. I think that um, it can be overwhelming to be a business owner. It can be, you can, you can get burnt out pretty easily. And I'm the kind of person that likes that that doesn't like to, but I will work through the burnout. Right. That's not good. You don't want to get to that point. So I'm going to start paying closer attention to what you've got going on because I need to learn a little bit more about how to just have some fun and make work enjoyable. Yeah. One of the one one quick thing that uh that did work really well for me uh, was that we read uh, we wrote down goals. Every uh-huh. single person did. It was really just myself and two others, but uh, we all wrote down our goals together. What we wanted a short term. I mean, like, I mean, soon something that we could do within a week, something we could do within like uh, three months and something within six months. And then, you know, we kind of kept track of one another, making sure, you know, uh, wrote down some affirmations as well, too. We were reading them every morning. You know, we text each other like, hey, you know, you make sure you guys read it, you know, before we went to sleep, you know, in the group chat, hey, make sure you guys read it. And just to, you know, check on one another. And I thought that kind of got everybody's spirits up for, for a good amount of time. Kind of we fell off after maybe four or five months, you know, but those a good solid three months, everybody was on it. We were all motivated. So doing something like that, I've been able to execute it flawlessly, you know, but a good three months, everybody was on it, we, you know, and uh, we were motivated. So if you can try something like that out, that, that goes a long way. Yeah, I'm going to have to, that's, one of those things that requires discipline and routines. I need to sit down <laughs> and, and create a routine. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think part of it is just, uh, just allowing myself the time to do it. But, um, but excellent. I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us. Um, I hope that you enjoy the rest of your uh, Sunday and, you know, with this whole Corona thing going on, I hope that you're able to stay healthy and well and um and still kick ass in business i don't know if i should say that or not but um (laughs) 
But enjoy the rest of your Sunday, Luis. I appreciate this conversation very much. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, say hi to Sarah for me. Will do. Thank you, Luis. Have a good day. You as well, brother.